Good afternoon, and thank you for enjoying it with a six-pack, the Scotty Six-Pack, the only podcast that's bringing you the top stories in Wisconsin sports every single day. I'm your host, Kedrick Sumbrus, and you can follow me on Twitter at Kedrick Sumbrus. Also, follow the podcast, the Scotty Six-Pack, at Scotty Six-Pack on Twitter to get all the latest updates in Wisconsin sports. We have touched a lot on the Green Bay Packers in the last couple of days. There's a lot going on with the Milwaukee Brewers as well, some really concerning Injury news with Garrett Mitchell looking like he's going to be out for the rest of the season. His potential call-up from AAA uh, to replace him, Sal Freilich, who got injured the same day that Garrett Mitchell did. Looks like he's going to be out for probably two months as well. Uh, Eric Lauer had a pretty underwhelming start yesterday. Meanwhile, you also have some other injuries in the bullpen to Matt Bush. That looks like he's going to take him out of the lineup for a little bit as well. Although, I don't know that's the biggest loss of all, but... We got to talk about the Milwaukee Bucks, and we have to talk about the Milwaukee Bucks in depth here, because this might be the last time we have time to talk about the Milwaukee Bucks before their season comes to an end. And that is a surprising thing, uh, because I think that regular listeners of this podcast, you will, you will recall that I looked at that game one loss as a reason for optimism, that it is not a performance that was re- replicable by the Miami Heat or by the Milwaukee Bucks, in terms of the fact that the Miami Heat played incredibly well, the Milwaukee Bucks played incredibly poorly, and those two things could not combine again enough times to give Miami a series victory in a best of seven. Right now, I look like an absolute fool, and I will just take that on the chin. I was wrong about so much in that podcast after game one, talking about just Miami's not going to replicate that shooting performance, and Giannis sat for game two, and I was saying that I think he is sitting just because the Bucs think they will likely be fine, even if he sits. All of that looks like a load of malarkey, and I'm I'm going to own it. I was wrong. I was wrong. And now the Bucs sit on the brink of elimination tonight after falling down in a 3-1 series hole to the Miami Heat. And I think everybody knows that in the NBA, coming back down from 3-1 is almost impossible. Uh, no team's ever come to come back from down 3-0, but 95% of teams who go up 3-1 end up winning the series in the NBA playoffs. And so now the Milwaukee Bucks need to win three straight games against this surging, this, I mean, it's their, it's their slogan every year in the playoffs, this white-hot Miami Heat's team. So... This game is going to come up tonight, and the Bucks will play the Miami Heat tonight at 8.30 p.m. Central, and that'll be for the season for Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, and with that comes the incredible performance of Jimmy Butler over the last few games. Jimmy Butler, with his 56 points, being perhaps the best individual performance in Miami Heat playoff history the other night in Game 4 to close it out, when Milwaukee just went on an epic collapse. Just an unbelievable run, and unbelievable that we're even considering, although I think, not just considering, I think that collectively we have decided. Jimmy Butler's performance in that game was the best performance by a member of the Miami Heat in any playoff game, which is wild to consider the fact that that is a team that won a championship on the back of Dwayne Wade. That's a team that won two titles with Dwayne Wade and and LeBron James. Just an incredible, incredible individual effort by Jimmy Butler to 
win that game and potentially to win this series for the Miami Heat. Um, let's talk about game four before we talk about the trends in this series overall and before we talk about what I think the Milwaukee Bucks can do, where the Milwaukee Bucks can improve, and maybe where they cannot improve in order to win this series. In game four, um, the Milwaukee Bucks had a lead, really controlled this game through the first 40 to 42 minutes and then allowed a 14-0 run by the Miami Heat to take a one-point lead. And it was all downhill from there. Milwaukee was not able to seal the deal. Um, that was a 14-0 run where you, as a basketball fan, not even necessarily as somebody who knows ball that well, you are watching that game, and if you've watched enough basketball, you understand the flow and the cadence of when a head coach is supposed to call a timeout to stop a run from an opposing team. And you're saying two maybe three possessions before Coach Bud actually was able to get that timeout. Oh my gosh, we need a timeout. And to see the Milwaukee Bucks fail at calling that timeout, and yes, there was the steal and dunk by Jimmy Butler that ultimately put the cap on that 14-0 run to take the lead where Giannis apparently was trying to call a timeout and Coach Bud postgame said, ah, yeah, they didn't give it to him. That just can't be the only explanation. You you can't let it get all the way up to a 12-0 run in that short of time without calling a timeout, particularly when you're looking at the performance of the other players on the court, namely a Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton, and say, we're good here, we just need to get a bucket. Um, because it was clear that the Milwaukee Bucks weren't getting a bucket. It was clear that... Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton were playing with reckless abandon and not in a good way. Those two did not take care of the ball and they were a liability in this game. Drew Holiday was a liability offensively and Chris Middleton was a liability offensively and defensively. Um, this, it, it was, I went back and looked at the box score for this game and was just astounded by the number of turnovers that Drew Holiday was credited with because I did not think it was reflective of actually how how reckless he played with the basketball in his hands. Drew Holiday was only credited with one turnover in that game and I just do not think that it reflects how he played. Uh, Drew Holiday had one turnover. Chris Middleton credited to three turnovers. And I, regardless of the turnovers, there was also the shot selection by Drew Holiday, who down the stretch just started chucking up the ball when it looked like a college basketball team that's just like, okay, we're down three, we need to tie it, let's get a three. It looked like something you see in the month of March rather than the month of April. When you look at teams taking bad shots, playing hero ball down the stretch in the NCAA tournament, and ultimately it hurts their team in the end. And yes, every single little misstep, every single little mistake in that game four hurt the Milwaukee Bucks and ultimately cost them because this is the game the Milwaukee Bucks had in hand. This is a game that Milwaukee controlled and then ultimately lost 
by five points. It was incredibly disappointing, particularly given the fact that Milwaukee was able to really run their game plan to to the most extent that they could. Brooke Lopez had 36 points. That is the recipe for beating this Miami Heat team. Giannis Antetokounmpo recorded a 26-point, 10-rebound, 13-assist triple-double. Those two guys, Brooke Lopez and Giannis Antetokounmpo, combining for 62 points is the recipe to beat this Miami Heat team. This Miami Heat team has no size down inside. Jimmy Butler is not a big guy. Giannis really can outmuscle him. But problem is being Giannis is injured, is injured, but we'll get to that in a second. Having no size down there and having Brooke and Giannis combined for over 60 points means that you need to just get not completely boneheaded production from your other two starters, your other two, not starters, but like pieces in the main core of Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton. And instead, we got boneheaded performance by both of them. Uh, just not great shot selection. Chris Middleton does not look like he can defend in the way that he did two years ago. And I don't know if that's just his injury struggles down the rest of the season. Has he lost a step over the course of these last two years? Are the best days of Chris Middleton behind him? I don't think that's a question we'll have the answer to until next season. Chris Middleton is on this team next season. Uh, not that I'm advocating for that, but it's a real possibility that he isn't with his contract situation. Um, ultimately, this game, I think, really exposed the Milwaukee Bucks in a few ways that I'll, I'll cover in a little bit, but this was just a masterclass by Jimmy Butler, and I don't want to. I don't want to ignore that fact. Um, that his fifty-six points on nineteen of twenty-eight shooting, three for eight from three. What's really, really out there is that he got to the free throw line eighteen times. Meanwhile, Giannis only got to the line four times. That is not a winning recipe for Milwaukee. You, you know, bring bring those two down a little bit or even just increase Giannis's free throw shots and this is probably a win for Milwaukee it's very clear that Giannis is a little ginger right now with that injury situation and again we'll get to that at Tanglin here but I want to talk about just the incredible run that this Miami Heat is on right now and included in that is just some wild wild three-point shooting stats I started this podcast talking about the fact that I'm eating crow on my optimistic take coming out of game one for this series. Um, Anchorage man <laughs> on Twitter at Seth Partnow um, tweeted that Miami is 43 of 82. Miami is shooting 52.4% on contested threes this season. The league average was 33.5% well, the Heat shot 33.2%. That's from at Seth Partnow on Twitter. Um, that is incredible. And Frank Madden, uh, who is a regular guest host contributor on the Lockdown Bucks podcast, he also tweeted at F Madden NBA that the Bucks are only allowing 11 wide open threes per game, essentially even with the Clippers for lowest in the playoffs 
the Heat are shooting a much normal 38% when they are wide open. So Miami, on contested threes, is shooting 52.4%. On wide open threes, shooting 38%. It, it is just an aberration that the Miami Heat are shooting this well. And that's not to say that it can't continue because, well, that's what my take was before, so that we're not going to see this again. And, you know, at four, five, six, seven games, yeah, you can have this, and the Miami Heat are showing that uh, they may keep doing this again and again. Right now, shooting over 52% on contested threes of the series, that's over. That's in, that's more than 20%, or sorry, a little bit less than 20% above the league average for the season, and a little bit under 20% Miami Heat's average for the season on contested threes series. Uh, a little bit off of that as well, uh, Cooper Moorhead, the manager of basketball content for the Miami Heat, tweeted at Coop NBA C-O-U-P, that in Game 4, the Miami Heat became the seventh team in postseason history to shoot 40-plus percent from three on at least 25 attempts in four consecutive games. The other six teams finished top 10 in three-point percentage in their respective seasons. Miami finished 27. So Miami is shooting historically great from three. The only other teams that have replicated this kind of historic three-point shooting performance in the playoffs were top third three-point shooting teams. Miami is a bottom three. Not bottom third. Bottom three. Sorry, 27, 28, 29, 30. Bottom four. Okay, fine. A little bit better. Uh... Math is not mathing for a second. But this is just not something that we see in playoffs. It's not something we see ever. Uh, Cooper went on <laughs> a little bit to say, jokingly, I've generally spent most of my career seeking out the strategic nuance within a matchup and trying to find the story to be told from it. Then this series comes along and my brain has been reduced to shooty shots go brrrr. Because, yeah, that's, that's, all it, that's all it is. There, there is no way to really explain how this happens. How this team is shooting this well from three, even when those three-point shots are being contested, and how they're shooting so much better on contested threes than on wide-open threes. It's not that the Bucks are giving up the three-point line. They're not allowing a ton of wide-open threes. They are contesting the heat on the three-point line. They are making every in an incredible incredible clip uh so that is the Miami right now and the Bucks in order to win this need a few things to go better one Drew Holiday needs to lock it down Drew Holiday needs to take better care of the ball needs to take better care of the ball down the stretch especially especially Chris Middleton needs to do a little bit of the same stepping up um on the offensive side, and the defensive flip side of that is that it's clear Drew Holiday cannot be the answer just for Jimmy Butler, which is the most, I, I think, difficult part of then teasing out how the Milwaukee Bucks end up winning three straight games to win this series because the Bucks have shortened their bench right now to where Bobby Portis is barely playing because he's a defensive liability, especially against this title Miami Heat team. Um, 
Javon Carter not playing, same reason. The answer to Jimmy Butler can't be Joe Ingles. Joe Ingles doesn't have it. And Jay Crowder, who you would want to be part of that answer, is shown that he is not up to ta- task, at least not in this series. Uh, and he got a do not play on the other night during game four because he's just been, Jay Crowder's just been absolutely terrible in the series. And fortunately for the Bucks, maybe, maybe, at least you have something else to throw at Jimmy Butler. Although Jimmy Butler is maybe <laughs> just unstoppable right now, is that Wesley Matthews is no longer on the Bucks injury report after that cast stream that he's been sitting out with. And that's a guy that the Bucks are going to need to try to throw at Jimmy Butler to slow him down. They need that big body, that big athletic body to try and do something against Jimmy Butler. Maybe it's just you get physical, you hope you don't get a ton of fouls called against you, and you go out there. Or you get physical, you get fouls called against you, and Wes Matthews is out within the first few minutes of the fourth quarter, but like at least you did your best. Uh, that's who the Bucks need to go get. And the other guy who would really, really be the best-case scenario defender against Jimmy Butler is, of course, Giannis Antetokounmpo. The problem is that the other thing I ate crow about after game one, or sorry, after game two and Giannis getting the call to not play, is that clearly Giannis is hurting. Um, He's getting his backside massaged on the sideline, doing everything he can to stay out there, saying at certain points of the game, like he feels the need to check out because he's not feeling 100%. It is very, very, very difficult for me to see Giannis being the primary defender against Jimmy Butler for the entirety of games five, six, seven. Uh, Sham Sharania of The Athletic reported the day after uh, game four, two, that Giannis, when he got treatment post-game, of course, if you were paying attention, Giannis did not speak with the media post-game. He was made unavailable, which is not common for Giannis. He's typically ready to speak with the media. He even spoke with the media after the Bucks got eliminated by the Heat in 2020, even though Giannis was not playing in the last, you know, game of that series. Uh, Giannis was getting fluids post like IV fluids post as part of that treatment. And for the Bucks training staff to say, you cannot go out there to so go do media availability. We need to get you hooked up to an IV right away. I think it tells us just how much he's hurting, maybe cramping, just really having a tough time with that back to backside injury and having a less than 100% Giannis defending a white hot Jimmy Butler I just don't know how effective that's going to be right now however I don't know how effective anybody is against Jimmy Butler right now because you're not going to have we already talked about it you're not going to have Grayson Allen defending him you're not going to have Joe Ingles defending him Drew Holiday is struggling. Chris Middleton looks like he is not anything near the defender that he once was. And this, going back to, you know, what I was, what I said earlier, of why we talked about a little bit of why I think the Milwaukee Bucks can win the series or what they have to do to win the series. Also previewed why I think they might not is this team is just missing a lockdown, put them on the best scorer, on the opposing team defender that they had in 2021. And this team is really, really missing P.J. Tucker. 
And it, it is very clear if you go back and look at the best um, top scoring playoff performances in Miami Heat history, like the top 10, it is littered with impressive results from 2022, from 2023, from 2020 Jimmy Butler performances. You know what season's Jimmy Butler performances are not on there? It's 2021, which is when the Bucks got to take out Jimmy Butler from that series and have uh, <laughs> P.J. Tucker on him the whole game. P.J. Tucker, who was able to shut down Jimmy Butler in that playoffs. P.J. Tucker was able to shut down Kevin Durant in that playoffs. P.J. Tucker, who was able to shut down Booker, able to shut down uh, Trey Young. And instead, in 2021, uh, Jimmy Butler got outscored by Bryn Forbes in that playoff series. The Bucks don't have that right now. And the closest thing they have to that in Giannis Antetokounmpo is hurt. He's injured. And Drew Holiday, although we talked about the fact that during the uh, Athletics Anonymous player poll, Drew Holiday was pretty overwhelmingly voted as the best defender in the league, according to his peers. You can be the best defender in the world, but when Jimmy Butler is playing this well, when Jimmy Butler can't miss, not a ton you can do. And so to be able to get the best you can is going to be really important for this Milwaukee Bucks team. And I'm not sure that the Bucks are going to be able to get the best they can because the best they can get would be a fully healthy Giannis Antetokounmpo. So and that's the state of the Milwaukee Bucks right now. It, it's going to be very difficult for the Bucks to come back in this series, in my opinion. I think there's absolutely a scenario in which Milwaukee wins this series because maybe, maybe he cool off, Jimmy Butler cools off, and the Bucks are able to get more out of the guys that they need to get. Otherwise, this is going to cost somebody their job in the organization, whether that's a shakeup to the core of this team, whether that's a shakeup in the coaching staff. Ultimately, the Bucks need to pin the blame on somebody. Is that blame going to be on the likes of Chris Middleton and not bringing him back? Or is that blame going to be on Coach Mike Boonville's? I'm not sure what the answer is yet, but I think... Maybe fortunately for us, the people who cover this, talk about this stuff for a living, it's going to be an interesting time because this is also a time in which Milwaukee Bucks have a shift in ownership with Jimmy Haslam uh, coming into the organization as Mark Lazary exits. Although, you know, Wes Edens is still uh, going going to be the, the steward of the organization, the managing owner, whatever they call it. So... It's not that Jimmy Haslam is not going to get his input, and that means that I'm not sure we know what's going to happen next for this Milwaukee Bucks team if they do end up getting eliminated in Game 5, 6, or 7. But it will certainly be uh, a fascinating time to be a Milwaukee Bucks fan right after we've just had shakeups in the coaching staff at the Wisconsin football team, after three bad Packers fans just saw their four-time MVP, future Hall of Fame, Super Bowl, winning Super Bowl MVP winning quarterback shipped to New York Jets. Not a lack of not a lack of stories that will be there to go around and they'll continue to keep coming. Meanwhile, the Brewers continue to slump, but gotta win today to avoid being swept by the Detroit Tigers. So that's the state of the Milwaukee Bucks. That game again, of course, tonight at eight thirty PM. Uh we'll be watching that live, live streamed on playback.tv slash badger notes. Go there, find us, uh, chat with some folks in the comments about what you see in the game, what we think is going to happen next for the Milwaukee Bucks. 
Uh, it's always a good time when we get some folks in the live stream hanging out. So that's where I'll be watching the game tonight. And that tomorrow is the first round of the NFL draft. As I've talked about, we got an NFL draft uh, preview guide for Packers fans coming. And we'll put out that guide for round one tomorrow. We'll uh, do the best we can to, if <laughs> if the Milwaukee Bucks get eliminated and we have this draft special, do the best to put them both into your feed. Otherwise, uh, maybe that Milwaukee Bucks elimination episode is going to have to come in uh, just a few few minutes at the top of that NFL draft round one preview. And then we'll deeper dive into what comes next for the Milwaukee Bucks in a later episode uh, over the weekend. But... That is going to do it for today's episode of the Scotty Six Pack Podcast. Again, come back tomorrow for the NFL Draft preview episode for the Green Bay Packers. We're going to talk about who the Green Bay Packers might be targeting. We have a lot of information now. We have the players that Green Bay has brought in for visits, the players that Green Bay visited with at the Combine. We know what the roster needs are for this team, and we know what kinds of players, what profiles of players that the Green Bay Packers like to select under general manager Brian Goodkins. So come back tomorrow for that NFL draft preview guide. We are also going to be going live on Twitter spaces for a NFL draft round one wrap up episode tomorrow night after round one wraps up. And I say after round one wraps up, not after pick 13, because I think there's a good chance the Packers pick more than once in this uh, NFL draft in, in the round one of this NFL draft, or at least that I don't, I'm not convinced they're going to pick at 13. Maybe they pick later. But we'll talk about that a little bit more in tomorrow's episode. Uh, so come back, head to bet, head to playback playback.tv slash badger notes to watch the Bucks game tonight with us. And then stick around, follow me on Twitter at Kedrick Stumbris to see the Twitter spaces, our live episode of this podcast. When we go up live after the conclusion of round one of the NFL draft tomorrow night. So we'll be going live you know, somewhere in that probably. 10 p.m. Central range, something that looks like that. So thanks again for listening to this episode of the Scotty Six Pack Podcast. Follow us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, go to the Apple Podcasts, go to Spotify, leave a five-star review, say some nice words, some nice comments, tell some folks what you like about the show. It allows us to make even better content for everyone who listens to this and allows us to improve the show. Really do take that feedback and put it back into, you know, what, we'd like to do next. So follow us uh, at follow myself, your host, Kedrick Stumbris at Kedrick Stumbris on Twitter. Follow the podcast at Scotty Six Pack. We'll talk to you later tomorrow on Wisconsin and Bucks and Six and Go Pack Go.